We pray, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Isaiah 40, 25 through 31. To whom then will you liken me? Or to whom shall I be equal? Says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things, who brings out their host by number. He calls them all by name, by the greatness of his might and the strength of his power. Not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God. Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall, fall, shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. Thou shall, they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. In the name of Jesus, the greatest evidence of God's love and power, dear friends in Christ. Raise your hand if you like taking tests. I imagine I didn't see any. I didn't see any. I see one. Um, that's probably because we as Lutherans uh, don't raise our hands during the service or because all of us despise tests. Tests are nerve-wracking. They require a lot of preparation. In school, they determine a large portion of your grade for the class and sometimes even require a certain percent percentage grade to pass the entire class. Even for teachers, they can be stressful because the poor results in standardized tests may de determine mean budget cuts for the school. But as, mu as, at, but as much as most people hate tests, they have been used consistently and effectively since the early 1800s. You could teach a whole year's worth of math but unless you get, the end, get to the end and question your students, do you really understand all of this? Then the information they should know is very likely to be forgotten and they will be unprepared for next year's math curriculum. Asking questions to ensure comprehension is not a novel idea. In fact, God himself uses questions many times in scripture to help instruct his children. We've had several of them already this Easter season, and today God asks us the questions that we often find ourselves thinking and gives us his assuring answers to confirm and strengthen our trust in him. Our theme today is God questions, God quizzes the questioning Christian. Question one, who is like me? Question two, why do you say, why do you say and question three, have you not known and heard? May the doubts you feel in your heart be stamped out today through the promise of God's holy word. Before we consider the questions God asks and the questions we ask ourselves, 
I'd like to draw your attention to two important considerations. Firstly, you're probably going to look at these questions and say, ah, these are softballs. I can tune out for the rest of this. Everyone knows these answers. Uh, don't do that though. Well, these are very simple questions with very simple answers. The devil is very adept at helping us forget even the most simple gospel truths. It is only by continuously meditating on them that we keep sinful doubt at bay. Second, God's quiz for us in Isaiah 40, 40 is not law-based. It wouldn't be wrong to say that if one doesn't know and believe these things, then they don't have saving faith. But that's not the point here. The message is sweet gospel. It is God's invitation to hear and believe what he reveals to us about himself and to quiet all our doubts and fears by remembering his love and his power. The first question we consider then, we find in verse 25 of our text. To whom then will you liken me? Or to whom shall I be equal? Says the Holy One. This question is, re is a repeated refrain throughout the Old Testament. God is constantly asking his people this very simple question. Who is like me? And the answer is often repeated, both in the words and actions of God. The first thing that sets our God apart from every false God is that he brings good news of forgiveness. Isaiah 40 verses 1 through 2, comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received from the Lord's hand double for, all, double for all her sins. Every other God or every other religion wants something from you, but our God, through his Son, has won salvation for you. Who else has created all things? Jehovah claims credit for this powerful work twice in this section in verse 26. See who has created these things. And again, in verse 28, he refers to himself as the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth. You don't have to be a scientist to realize that we live in a world that was intelligently designed, not one created by dumb luck over billions of years. Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. In Isaiah 40, 11, God reveals himself as, just like we talked about last week, a shepherd. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. Many pagan religions require sacrifices to feed their God, and all of them require that you conduct your lives a certain way in order to receive their blessing. Jehovah says, I feed you, I will gather you, I will carry you, and I will lead you. There is obviously no other God like this God, who is at the same time a creator, a shepherd, and a redeemer. So why do we keep following other gods? We worship the God of self, determining for ourselves what is good and right instead of letting God's word be our guide and tutor. 
We worship material possessions, sinking our whole lives into getting more stuff. We worship the God of compromise and go along with the foolish notion that we all are worshiping the same God who just goes by a different name. When Jehovah says, I am the Lord, this is my name and my glory, I will not give to another. No, my praise to carved images. God asked Israel this question, quizzing them again and again, because they kept on forgetting that there is only the one true God. And he asked us, he asked us as well, over and over, because we keep forgetting too. And so again today, the Lord quizzes us. To whom then will you liken me? Or to whom shall I be equal? And the answer is no one. There is no God like our God. Question two in God's quiz for questioning Christians is found in verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God. This doubt can be paraphrased into two false statements that can quickly pick up traction in our minds. Either God doesn't know, or God doesn't care. Let's take the first false statement of our situation. That my way is hidden from the Lord, that he doesn't know what you're dealing with. Maybe you thought the first quiz question was an easy one. Of course I know that God created everything. I know that, I know that and I never forget it. But this one hits a little closer to home, doesn't it? When God allows hardships and trials to enter our lives, we find ourselves often crying out with the masses. Why God? If God knew how painful or sorrowful this was for me, he would never allow me to suffer like I do now. Let's hear what God has to say about that from our text. Verse 26 describes God as the creator of all people who brings out their host by number. He calls them all by name, by the greatness of his might and the strength of his power. Not one is missing. God knows your name, not only that, but he knows you better than you know yourself. Psalm 139 says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. And then one might think the psalmist would go on to ask God, so why didn't you foresee this trial that I'm going through and do something about it? Nope, he goes on. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O oh God, how great is the sum of them. This treats the second false assumption that God knows but doesn't care. The sometimes uncomfortable truth is that God knows when you are suffering and allows it to happen. But we see that he still does care very much about you when we see the promise attached to your suffering in Peter, 1 Peter 5, verse 10. 
But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus after you, have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. He uses this temporary suffering to draw us closer to him through study in his word and through prayer so that we might be strengthened, established, perfected, and settled on the hope of Christ. And we see that in our 2020 hindsight, don't we? We see how God has forged our faith through past suffering like gold in a furnace, removing the dross and impurities. This suffering strengthens our faith in Jesus in three important ways. It reminds us how helpless we are. It leads us back to the cross for comfort and strength. And it focuses our mind on heaven where we will never again suffer. The question, why do you say that God doesn't know or that he doesn't care, is one that doesn't have a good answer. We can always trust that God knows all that, knows all, and that he does care for you very much. We know that he does because he sent his son into the world to suffer and die in your place so that you are now called his own dear child. Which is the answer to God's final question. Have you not known? Have you not heard? And you have heard and known all of this, many of you from your childhood. But in case the going has gotten tough and you've forgotten again, the Lord lays it out in verses 28 through 31 in our text. The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength. Even the youths shall faint to be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. In many of our worship services, we begin with me saying, O oh Lord, our, our, excuse me, our help comes from the Lord, and you reply, who made heaven and earth? Think about the gravity of that statement. We are weak, and we have no might. We are weary and often fall. But God is not weak. He is the powerful and everlasting author of the universe. He never grows weary or sleeps. But 24-7, 365, is utilizing that unsearchable knowledge and immeasurable power for your benefit, working all things together for your good. Do you want strength to bear up under any trial or temptation? Do you want, do you want comfort and hope to shine in the dismal cell of grief and fear that we see and feel in this world. Here it is. Here's the answer through the pen of Isaiah. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Of course you have. Gain strength to conquer all that life may hold for you by praying with the hymnist. I am weak, but thou art mighty. Hold me with thy powerful hand. Hold fast to all you have heard and known about God's unending love and care for you, confident that he can and will do exactly what he promised. 
He will renew your strength so that you will melt up with wings like eagles. All who place their faith in his might and his love will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. See? Now that test wasn't so bad, was it? In fact, I think we can all agree that it was very comforting. Just three simple questions that God poses to us to remind us who he is and who we are in him. In fact, I think we should take this quiz again as often as we need to. As often as questions arise from our sinful hearts to pry us away from all, the God, all that God has promised for us, we can turn back to Isaiah 40 and ponder once more how God quizzes the questioning Christian. Question one, who is a God like me? Answer, there is no God like ours who wants nothing from us but repentance and gives us everything, including eternal life through his son. Question two, why do you say that God doesn't know or that he doesn't care? Answer, there is no reason to. God does know exactly what you are struggling with and he does care. He will see you through these hard times and bring you to your heavenly rest. Question three, have you not known, have you not heard? Answer, yes, you have. Above all these, above reason, above emotion, above everything, trust in what you have heard, known, read, and believed, that your help comes from the Lord. He will give you his strength to combat every foe. Psalm 120, verses 1 through 2. I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. In Jesus' name, amen. The peace of God, who passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.